Journey to Organization, episode 101, Faggy Pollock. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman. Advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and today we're talking with marriage expert, Faggy Pollock. Now, we are just moving past Pesach, and as you all know, holidays can be stressful. Maybe your Yom Tov wasn't all joyful bliss with your family because maybe there were some issues between you and your partner. Well, I thought it would be great smichot aparshiot, a juxtaposition, between last week's episode 100 with my husband, Evan, And I think that it's pretty clear that on that podcast, we have a great time together. Of course, even though things are pretty good, they can always be better. So today, I thought Faggy and I could talk about why marital intimacy is so complex for some couples, but not only the complexity of it, but how we can fix things and how organization can help us with marital intimacy. Now, if you're wondering who Faggy Pollock is, well, she's the creator of Unblock Your Oneness, an online course, a comprehensive online course on Torah's perspective of marital intimacy and practical application of that knowledge. Faggy is a certified EFT practitioner and acclaimed Kala teacher. Through her work in EFT, Faggy has helped hundreds of women overcome hardships in their marriage with her unique approach to marital intimacy. As a college teacher, she has prepared many young women for a happy and fulfilling life life with their husband. Welcome, Faggy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is a real honor. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's dive in. I want to make sure, so don't let me forget, I want to make sure that we talk about what EFT is because I think maybe a lot of people don't know what it is. So actually, mm-hmm. let's start with that. What's EFT and how does it help you uh, get to intimacy between couples? Okay, so EFT stands for Emotional Emotional Freedom Technique, and it's a technique which was developed a while back by someone by the name of Gary Craig. It's basically, um, in a nutshell, it's a tool which allows the user to access deeper parts of his subconscious. Most of what we know and the life experiences that we've been through, it all gets stored in our subconscious, and then a lot of how we react to life and, you know, we go through our day, we go through our life and our reactions and our feelings and our thoughts. Very often what we see, you know, at the external level is just the tip of the iceberg. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. In fact, most of what's going on is going on deep inside in parts of ourselves that we don't have regular access to. And what happens is we try to make a change. We try to overcome a hardship. We try to create more intimacy and love in our marriage. We try to become more organized. And we kind of feel like we're bumping into brick walls. And that's because the change often needs to happen at a much deeper level, but we don't often have access to those deeper levels of ourselves. So what EFT does through light tapping on certain points along the face and on the side of the hand, it calms down the nervous system, slows down the brain waves, and allows what's in the subconscious to very, very gently and safely in a very secure and safe manner kind of bubble up to the surface. And then information that wasn't available to us before becomes available. So it might be certain memories or certain things that happened to us that we forgot about or shove down, down deep, you know, deep, deep inside to ourselves because we couldn't deal with it at the time. And then as they come up, we can deal 
with those memories, those thoughts, those limiting beliefs, whatever it might be. And then we're able to work on ourselves in a way that's so much more effective and so much quicker and so much deeper. And then the changes that we can see are so much more real. Mm -hmm. So especially when it comes to intimacy, and I know, Rebecca, you'll say that this is also true with organizing. Organizing isn't just a technical thing. It's an internal journey that we go through when we learn how to live a certain way and live correctly and you know, the beautiful things that you teach us women, like it's, it's not just something that we do on the outside. Right. 100%. That's why we call it journey to organization. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So that's why I called my course unblock your way to oneness. It's the same idea. It's this right. journey that we're on to reaching more and more oneness. So, um, when I work with women, especially with issues surrounding intimacy, uh, marital intimacy, so very often it's like every woman knows in her head where she wants to be and the kind of wife she wants to be and the kind of feelings she wants to have for her husband. But when it comes to it, it's like either her body isn't reacting and her, her emotions aren't there or whatever it might be. And so much gets in the way. So she doesn't need another class explaining to her why marital intimacy is important. She knows that. Right. But she's stuck. She doesn't have any desire, let's say, for instance. That's a very common struggle today that many women have. In their head, they want to be with their husband, but they just don't feel it. And they, there's so much getting in the way. So the tapping is amazing because it helps them access what's going on at a deeper level. And then once that knowledge becomes available and we can work with it, then we start to, with God's help, see real, real change. And I've seen it. It's very, very, it's very special. And I'm sure you have the same experience wow. when you work with someone. That's see, so amazing. They just look at you, you know, months down the line with like a, with that twinkle in their eye and they're like, you gave me my life. You gave me my life back. Right. And I know it's like that for women who are able to learn to become more organized and for women who Baruch Hashem are able to lead a much more fulfilling life with their husband in, in and out of the bedroom. It's, it's right. everywhere. The, you know, true. The home is it's everywhere. true. When your home feels exactly. like balance, whatever mm-hmm. aspect it is, it just, everything else functions a lot better. 100. Yeah. 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 True. So... I guess <laughs> that kind of answers my next question, but I was going to ask you, why is it so important to want to improve your marriage? And what do you exactly need to do to focus on improving it? Like, do you have to focus on yourself to get the order, the results that you need? So, you know, cause everybody always says, you know, fix yourself and then you can help everybody else. So so how do you like focus on yourself? Is that like through the tapping or are there other ways that you can use to do, pardon this, but tap into, you know, like how do you get to that area where you know you have to put yourself first and, and, and how do you do that to get the results you need? Well, I think it begins first, like you said, it's, it's the awareness. I think that's where the biggest change happens. It's the day that we realize, but we really, really, it's not only like we know it in our head, it's, it becomes so clear in our bones that all we can ever change is ourselves. Right. And when we fully take responsibility for that, but for real, for real, that's when things start to happen. And, you know, very often we say, we know, oh yeah, you know, when mom is happy, everyone's happy. And it's like, we say it, but inside there's all those little voices saying, yes, but I'll be happy when, you know, my mm-hmm. husband cleans up after himself. I'll be happy when my two-year-old stops having a tantrum. I'll be happy when. And it's very nice to say that, oh yeah, we know that all change begins with me, but we don't really, really believe it. And I feel like real change can only happen when we fully accept the, the reality. And it really is the truth that all we can ever change is ourselves. And even that we have a hard time doing. Right. And when we 
fully, fully take responsibility for ourselves, nothing short of miracles begins to happen. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I think that it's, I think it's, I mean, I'm sure it can be explained at a level of, you know, of nature and how God created the world and all, but I do believe, um, and maybe this is like, you know, like the spiritual mystical part in me, but I really, really like believe in my neshama and my soul that when we make that decision, that we take full responsibility and there's that, um, that inspiration from within, I really believe that, that there's this like heavenly assistance, this siyata deshmaya that just comes flowing down from heaven. Now, I can't promise it's going to happen for everyone, but I've seen it, thank God, in my own life and in the life of so many women, women that I've worked with that when we finally make that decision and we really take responsibility and we look in the mirror and we say, that's it. I'm not blaming anyone anymore. It's me. I'm going to make the changes that I have to make. It's just amazing how things around us start to change. You know, obviously I'm not talking about a situation where God forbid someone is in an extremely unhealthy situation and no matter what they do, they're surrounded by people who unfortunately are very, very impaired. And sometimes the only right thing to do is to leave a marriage. I'm not talking about those because those are so few and far between. I'm talking about most of us in regular, healthy, messy, colorful, multi-complex marriages, you know, right. with the moments of, of Gan Eden, of the Garden of Eden, and the moments where we feel like we're, we can't take it anymore. That's just real life. And when we're willing to take responsibility for ourselves, I really feel like there's a very, very special assistance that comes from above. It's like it says that, you know, you open up a little crack, like the opening of a, of a, of a needle, you know, and God will open up, uh, you know, like the opening of a right, right. huge ballroom, right? So that's really like, that's what I also love about the course that, 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 that I had the Really, I feel humbled. I feel like I was given a mission <laughs> yeah. to the world, and I feel like it came through me. I don't even feel like it's me. It's just I feel like I've been a vessel for this course to happen. And the course that I teach is really all about taking responsibility. People say to me, what's the point in having a course only for women? Like, don't you need the men on board? So very often when a woman makes change on her own and she takes responsibility, so much can change. That's true. I, I, I totally see that. And I feel like it's, it's about understanding that you have this weakness and that you need to improve and tapping into that and understanding like it's okay to ask for help and and allowing yourself to be vulnerable um and admitting that you need help and looking for the help if you if you need help great you should seek it and and i think that's a hard step for a lot of people but even if you just say like oh i can change this on my own um, mm -hmm. And looking inside yourself and, and looking for that. But I feel like for a lot of people, it's hard to get to that place where you can say, I need help, or I can't do this, or I don't know like what to do. And, and what do you advise to those people who are feeling like stuck? Because I feel like it doesn't matter if it's intimacy or organization or weight loss or whatever it is, like it's something that we all... I think struggle with. I, I certainly struggle with this sometimes, like where you just don't know where to start. How do you explain to people how to tap into like where exactly the issue is or to find it from yourself? So there are definitely situations where a person could help themselves. No question. I'm not, you know, I myself am an EFT practitioner and I myself have been helped tremendous, you know, tremendously by EFT and other therapies. And I wouldn't be where I am today if not for those incredible um, messengers and, and, and therapists that Hashem set me along my journey. Right. But I do believe 
that there is a healthy balance between when we need to reach out for help and when we could just turn inward and help ourselves, right? So um, when a person feels like they've tried it all on their own and they're just keep on knocking into, like I said before, into a brick wall and nothing is changing and they feel like their quality of life is being impaired because of it, they're functioning less well as a wife, as a mother, as a, as a homemaker, um, they're not doing it well, you know, as well at, at, at um, as well as they could be um, at work or, you know, they, they're, they're with their kids, maybe they're not as patient as they used to be or whatever it is, and they try, they tried for a month, two, three, six months on their own, and it's just not going anywhere, then I think that's like clearly a sign that it's time to call out for help. And, you know, help doesn't necessarily need to be in the form of a therapist who went to school and has, you know, these big fancy letters after their name. It can even be learning, you know, with a friend once a week or schmoozing right. with someone or even just figuring out how to reach out to someone who's you know, a little bit further down the line, a mentor, someone who's been there, done that. But I feel like with today's world, it's incredible the amount of knowledge that Hashem has blessed us with. And, and it's, information is so available today, Rebecca. It's amazing. It's not like it used True. to be that people grew up and they had one or two books and, and that's all they read their whole life. Okay, so they knew those books very, very well, but that's all they knew. Today, information is so available and help is so available. And there are so many courses and classes and workshops. And it's almost like a person doesn't have, in my opinion, an excuse to say like, oh, I couldn't get the help I needed. Because I feel like everyone today could get some help. Now, sometimes help is expensive, so they can't afford it. So there's something else that they can try. It could be a book. There are so many books today that are written on self-help. I mean, even just Rebecca being on your mailing list, you know, is an amazing experience. <laughs> just reading what you send out, you know, Thank there's you. so much free information out there that I feel there like people today don't have, people don't have an excuse of like, oh, I didn't have information available. Um, and if people try to implement that information on their own and it's just not working, so then yeah, they might have to turn to someone who can help them. It says in the Gemara, and that means that a person who's imprisoned cannot, they can't get themselves out of prison. They need, often they need someone from the outside to, to redeem them. Right. So it's also true, I feel, when we become imprisoned in our own minds, and our own ruts, we sometimes need an outsider to come and say, look up. You're doing great. Right. You're really True. doing great. No, right? We need that. So funny sometimes. that you said that because I actually just finished reading um, Fear No Evil. It's Natan Sharansky's m uh, memoir about his time oh. in prison. And wow. he says, like, it's a, first of all an amazing story what he struggled to go through but he says like if it wasn't for his wife Avital who was tirelessly campaigning for him to get out of prison he would never have been able to get out wow. and so it's true like it's like a real <laughs> it's it's real like if sometimes yeah. you do need somebody else to help say to you in fact i was talking to a potential client today and she's like i just need you to be like my teacher and tell me you have to throw this away you have to do this you have to do that like just tell me what to do i want you to just tell me what to do 100%. and i th i feel like even sometimes like everybody needs that sometimes i need that too like sometimes I, I mean, personally for me with my husband, there's one room in the house that I hate to clean out and that's the Mahsan storage room. <laughs> it's really, really small. You can't stand up in it. It's like, it's like a cupboard underneath the stairs. It, it's really difficult to get into. And I always say to him, I'm like, I need you to help me do this. I can't, I can't do this room by myself. <laughs> and right. And like, so, so that's like always a room that he'll help me do. Or <laughs> honestly, sometimes he just does it himself. Like, 
it's there's not that much stuff in it so it's not a big deal but like he had to put the Pesach stuff away I'm like sorry you have to do it I can't bend in that way to do it and I just like I, I'm too tall so like get in there and mm-hmm. actually this this after Pesach he had the kids help him do it <laughs> so because <laughs> they're a little smaller obviously but like it's true like you you really need someone to to force you to go out of your comfort zone to to get sometimes the results that you it's not, you know I've, I've noticed it's not it's of course it's we need someone who can like push us beyond our limits but it's also sometimes someone who could look at us and just remind us that we're doing okay because as much as we know that we could look in the mirror and say it to ourselves it just doesn't sound the same as when someone older and wiser says, yes, it's true. You're going through this trouble. You have this difficulty. This is a shortcoming of yours, but really you're doing great. And I feel like that's also part of having a, a mentor or a therapist or a program, someone right. that can, can give you, you know, can push you when you need to be pushed, but can also remind you that you're doing well. And I do find that myself as, a, as an EFT practitioner and, you know, I accompany many women on their journey and my focus is intimacy. Very often I find that, that that's really what I do. I just remind them that they're doing great. When a woman walks out of my office feeling better, feeling lighter, feeling more understood, so obviously she's going to go home and she's going to shine more as a wife and she'll feel right. better. She'll feel safer to be vulnerable with her husband. Like all the things that intimacy requires of us because she had that place where she could just be seen and told that, that she's doing okay. And sometimes that's all we need to get us out of the rut is to just be reminded that we're doing okay, even though we're not really okay. <laughs> Why do you think that it's so hard for most, well, not most, but many women to feel intimacy or be intimate? Or is it something, is there something we can do better to teach our daughters now so that they don't have issues later on? I guess that's two parts to a question really, but. <laughs> right. So I first would begin by def- you know, trying to define what, what, what really is intimacy all about. And when I, when I, you know, intimacy in our context, we're using intimacy to describe physical marital intimacy, because, you know, as a, as a community who we try to practice purity of speech and we want to, we want to approach marital intimacy with respect. So we use terminology different than what would be, let's say, used on the street, but we're talking obviously about sexual intimacy. And I think it's very beautiful that it's referred to as intimacy because from a Jewish perspective, there is no such thing as sexual intimacy without true intimacy. There is not just the physical part. If it's just physical alone, then it's animalistic and it's the lowest thing in the world. And if it's true intimacy, which we're going to define in a minute, then it becomes the holiest of holies. And I think that if we, you know, if we would first define intimacy, I heard once a beautiful definition, intimacy sounds a lot like the words into me see. Into oh, me. That's nice. Intimacy, isn't that? I love it. Intimacy is about letting ourselves be seen and about being willing to totally see another. Mm-hmm. And as we learn about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, before they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they were experiencing this heavenly, idyllic experience of connection, of oneness, basking in the glory of God, of the light of God, of the pleasure of that connection and wholeness, which most resembles the wholeness of God. And they were together. It says that they were in Gan Eden and they had no clothing on. They were naked. And why is it so important for Torah to tell us that? So we're not going to go into a whole explanation of that now, but we must understand that it's crucial for our understanding of sexual intimacy to learn what happened in the Garden of Eden before 
they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then what happened after, and how that changed everything. So it says that before the before the chet, before they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they were naked and there was no they, they weren't ashamed of their nakedness, and that's because they clearly saw beyond. There was no need for clothing because there was no need to cover up. What they saw was this beautiful shining soul and a thin layer of body, and there was this connection, which was ultimately a soul connection. But because it was in a physical world, the only way that can be managed manifested was through the connection of Adam and Chava together becoming one flesh. And that pleasure and that connection and that joy that they had, that is the bracha, that's the blessing that we give every groom and bride when they stand under the chuppah, under the marriage canopy. And we wish that they too should achieve that happiness like Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden, where they only had each other and this experience of wholeness and this clarity of God. And this idea of seeing beyond and seeing into and not being afraid to be seen and not needing to cover anything up, that's what intimacy is all about. So a husband and wife's bedroom, it's, it's their sanctuary, and it's not a place where a husband and wife only you know, go back to being like Adam and Eve before the sin, where there was no shame of the nakedness. It's beyond right. the physical. It's a spiritual um, it's a spiritual unclothing. It's a it's it's an, an emotional state of being where uh, where where we're able to to fully be vulnerable with each other and see and fully see each other. So rarely do we really fully see another person. We're so busy seeing ourselves. It's true when it comes to our relationship with our children. Unfortunately, it's true with our relationship with our in-laws and our parents and our siblings. And to be able to be in this space where we're fully seen and we fully see and we see beyond—that's what intimacy is all about. And that's why it's so complex because it's frightening. Because when we're fully seen, we're fully seen. Right. It's like you can see everything. You have to put yourself out. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and that's vulnerability. You said before right. the word vulnerable. That's a vulnerability. It's, it's the ability to trust that another person, to entrust our lives with another person and to know that this person is going to love us and accept us even in the places where maybe we don't love and accept ourselves. Right. And, and that may not always happen. But that's more than that, I think there's like a level of protection. Exactly, because that's yeah. the risk, because right. we want to be loved unconditionally, but we don't know if we will be. So because right. we don't want to be hurt, so we don't even want to take the chance. We don't even want to take the chance. So we don't allow ourselves to be in that state. So because marital intimacy, and I'm talking now about the physical manifestation of right. it, represents a much deeper emotional vulnerability, that's why we have so much trouble in that area. Mm -hmm. Because it's so vulnerable because it's so vulnerable. So that's one issue. And another issue I think is the influence of, you know, our you know, exposure and media and today's society where we are led to believe that a woman should react to marital intimacy the way a man should. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I go in a lot in the course that I created, understanding the differences, the natural differences in the way that Hashem, the way God created men and women and how, because in today's world, the model, um, to which we measure success or failure is very much a masculine model. Right. So therefore, if a woman is, let's say, struggling with low desire, exhaustion, lack of desire, she's never interested, it's hard for her, so she automatically feels like a failure when really all she needs is someone to look in her eyes. And that's, again, where I come into the picture and I say, 
you're normal, you're a woman. Let me teach you how this is how God created a woman. And there's a reason why he created you like this. And there's a reason why your emotional state is so tied up with your physical state. That's what keeps the relationship deep and real and soulful right. and meaningful, right? So this is, these are all things that I discuss in the course, but to so many women, hearing that is liberating because they, they've never heard it before and they really think that there's something wrong with them. So that can also create a lot of issues because if a woman thinks that there's something wrong with her, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So she's not even going to try because, hey, there's something wrong with me, right? But right. if she so, says- so, that, so that's that's really a great intro. Like then how, what do we say to our daughters so that they don't get to that stage in you know, 12, 15, 20 years even where they're like, there's something wrong with me. So I think it's on two levels. I think it's at the emotional level, which is teaching our daughters to be safe with being vulnerable. I always teach my kids, you can ask anything. You can ask anything. You can ask for everything. Worst comes to worst, Iman Abba will say no. Your teacher will say no. Zadie will say no. You can always ask, meaning to help your children experience rejection. Right. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy, but I think it's an amazing gift to give our children to teach them to go out of their comfort zone and make themselves vulnerable. And then if they hear a no, they see that nothing happens, they don't die. And then that will <laughs> enable them, hopefully, to build one day a very deep, solid relationship with their partner. And by the way, I do this with my boys as well, both, you know, boys, girls. Right. The it's true. You could do it with both. So, Emotional, emotionally vulnerable. Right. And right. at the physical level, I think a lot of it has to do with um, body image. I, you know, giving over to our daughters, just, you know, just always telling them how beautiful they are and how good they look and how they're shining today. And just, you know, when, when the time comes discussing with them puberty and how their body's going to develop and always, always with a physical, you know, with a, with a very positive um, approach, not like, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to menstruate and you're going to be in so much pain, but rather right. how beautiful your body's turning into a woman and explaining to them what happens, how, you know, there was a potential for life and, and that, you know, that, that wasn't actualized this month and just to really, really, um, really um, kind of like focus the, the limelight on the beauty of being a woman. Now, obviously, this is something that's hard for women to do if, if that's not their own experience, okay? Right. And that's where working on ourselves comes in again, because the more positively we can approach these things, the more we're going to give it over to our daughters by osmosis, not even by words, because they're just going to pick up that we're comfortable with ourselves as a woman and we're comfortable with our own body. So, you know, you know now is Pesach. You mentioned dieting before, you know, and I myself fell into this trap, you know, over Pesach, I obviously ate and ate and ate and ate galore and couldn't stop eating. And then, like I said to the kids, something the other day, like, oh, I bet you in two weeks, it's going to all show up, you know, the, the extra pounds. <laughs> then I said to myself afterwards, like, it's such a shame that I said that, like, I'm giving right. over a message to my kids that, like, I'm preoccupied with my weight and that that's important, you know, and that I only feel good about myself if you know, people tell me I'm thin, right? And that's not the message I want to give over. That's not really who I am. Whatever I said it, I slipped. It's okay. I'm human and it's good for our kids to see that we make mistakes also. But to try to give over to our, especially to our daughters, that very, very healthy body image about how beautiful they are and how fortunate they are to be a woman. And this too is something that I discuss in my course. I have a beautiful bonus called how to talk to kids about intimacy. You know, how do I talk about it to myself? That's how I'm going to talk to my children right. about it. And this is definitely, this, this alone can be a whole, you know, a whole, whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> when, you get to the, when you get to cleaning up the kids room, we get to talk about <laughs> kids. <good>. Okay. So actually I want to talk about the bedroom organizationally. So I go into a lot of couples bedrooms and I see a lot of different things but generally I'm always surprised about like the state of the room 
in terms of messiness. Now, a few couples that I've seen really have wanted to have babies. And I always say to them, I'm like, even if you gave birth right now, like where this minute, you know, where would you put a baby? And, and so I think that taking the time to declutter, sort out and organize a master bedroom is one of the key ways to making marital goals reality. And honestly, these two clients that I had that, you know, wanted to have a baby, they cleared up their clutter and the noise in their lives and, and they had babies. And so I know it's amazing and it's fabulous. And I'm not like taking any credit for it because they worked hard on themselves and, and they made like a huge change in their lives. But how does clutter in the bedroom factor into your discussions with your students? So, you know, it's interesting. I heard once a very beautiful story that made an impression on me how one of the, one of the great Torah giants of, of previous generations, one of the Gedolei HaMuster, the Muster movement, which focused a lot on, you know, human character and building, a, you know, a person who's like a real, with, you know, good, good midos and a good heart. So one of the Gedolei HaMuster, these, these great Torah giants, came to visit his son in, in yeshiva. And all he did was go into his bedroom. And I love this story. You know it? I know okay. it. I say it all the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, okay. okay. So he checked to see that the shoes were lined up straight and that the bed was made and that everything was neatly folded. And he said, I got the answer that I came for. I know my son is doing well. And they asked him, how do you know? He said, because I could see that his surroundings and his living quarters were all organized. So I know that he has internal order. And when a person has inter internal order, they have menucha sanefesh and they're able to learn and focus and grow and serve God and fulfill their potential. And Oh, boy, is this true. Right. And I feel like the place to start organizing is a husband and wife's bedroom because um, the, the Holy of Holies is the place where God chose to show very clearly and graphically to express to his beloved Kal Yisrael, to the beloved nation of Israel, his love for us. And it's expressed on the ark where the, where the, where the, um, the, the luchos, the, how do you say tablets, luchos in English? Tablets. The tablets, right, the Torah yes. tablets were, there was the cover, and uh, there were these golden images of what were called the kruvim, and the, the, the Svarim HaKadoshim teach us, the holy books teach us that it was the, the image of a male and a female in a very intimate, like, embracing, like an, a male embracing a female, and that is how God chose to show his beloved nation how much he loves us, that beautiful, whole, pure love of a husband and wife, of a male and a female embracing, and that the holiest place, in the holiest place in the world, right? That's the Kodesh HaKadosh and the holiest of holies, where no one was allowed to enter except for the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, and right? So I feel like I try to teach the women that I come in touch with and, and, and to implement this myself, and the Kalas that I teach, your bedroom is the Kodesh HaKadashim in your home because that is where you and your husband, please God, are going to express your deepest feelings of love and connection and oneness for each other in the most clear way. Obviously, intimacy is everywhere. There's intimacy in the living room. There's intimacy in the kitchen. It's the way you talk to each other. It's, the, it's, it's, it's everywhere. But it's going to be expressed the most clearly, right, with, no, with no, nothing getting in the way in the bedroom. And that's why the bedroom literally is a sanctuary and and as such it needs to be treated that way and it's so easy for the bedroom to turn into the laundry room the machsan the garage the room where you stick everything that needs to be fixed where you right. stick all the laundry before Shabbos <laughs> when you didn't fold it right 
Why not in the yeah. kids' room? Stick it in the kids' room, right? No, we always stick it in our room. And, and oh, there's no room in the house. We bought a new freezer. Okay, let's stick it in our room, right? Like, let's put it in the parents' bedroom. <laughs> right. It's amazing. It's like this, you know, mentality that we have. And it was very, very moving. Like, uh, a while ago, I was, I was speaking to a good friend of mine, and she shared with me something which really, really moved me deeply. She said that um, she was actually doing an organizing course. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things that she worked on was her bedroom. And she really like made a commitment to herself and her husband. And she turned her bedroom into like, it looked like, it, it looked like it was out of like a, you know, like a, like a magazine. It was just like beautiful. And, and, and this was wow. a family who didn't, they, you know, they didn't have, it wasn't like they were loaded with money and they could go and renovate the entire house. But she said like the one place where it was important for her to invest also money, also energy, also time was in her bedroom. Right. And she got herself a nice set of sheets and a nice lamp, little things, little it's touches important. that make a difference. And to get rid of all the clutter, God, we clutter our rooms with so much stuff that we don't need. And to get rid of all of that and, and really, she, you know, to really upkeep that. And she said it made such a difference for, for, for everything in their life, obviously without going into detail because right, right. it's such a private part of life. And so it's me, so we're not going to talk about it. But she just said that it made a very, very big difference in her life. And I always share, you know, I share that with my colleagues. I'm like, obviously now you're getting married and you're, you know, modeling your apartment. And of course, as a young couple, you're going to make yourself a beautiful bedroom. But very fast, it's going to also turn into the baby room and the diaper right. room and the laundry room. And the <laughs> True. Don't let that happen. You know, you have leftover laundry, stick it in the bathtub. Don't stick it on your bed. <laughs> right. And I think people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. Room. I don't need to work on that room. But I'm like, yeah. And I would say 95% of the time, that's the room we work on first. And, and when I teach a course, yeah, when I teach a course, we usually almost always start in the master bedroom. Well, it's, see, another point I want to make, Rebecca, which I think is also very, very important for women, and women need to know this about themselves, is that as women, we're constantly moving between many different tasks, wearing many different, you know, hats, different costumes. It's like one minute we're the psychologist of the teenager, the next minute we're the math teacher doing homework work with the second grader the next minute we're kissing a knee a bloody knee and, and you know patching it up and we're the doctor sure. and then we're the cook and then we're the toilet cleaner right and and we're, we're like we're constantly oscillating back and forth between all these different tasks and then at night we're kind of like expected to like shed all those masks and just like I said just you know be exposed and vulnerable and feminine and soft and loving and flowing and it's like whoa how is that meant to happen and as a woman we, we, we must realize, especially when men are less this way, but some men are. So it's important not to make generalizations. But many women are like this. They need a long time to unwind. And if a woman is going to come into her bedroom and her bedroom has a pile of laundry, that is a very, very clear anti-aphrodisiac. That is going to yeah. kill any fire that might be there because <laughs> it's just going to be glaring at her. That's another thing that needs to get done. It's another to do. And when a woman wants to be intimate with her husband, or really, if you want to be, when I say intimate now, I mean like intimate as in present with another person. And this is also true with our children. We have to be in a to be mode not in a to-do mode. All right. day long, we're very, very goal-oriented, to-do. We, you know, we have this long to-do list. Marital intimacy is not about doing, it's about being. It's about being one with another person. It's about, you know, if you want to look at it with our children even, we want to have those moments where we can really, really look in their eyes and connect with our child and fully be in an experience of connection and love for our children or for any other, you know, other people in our life, but especially, especially between husband and wife. Right. So we have to get out of that to-do mode, which we are so 
we are so, it's, you know, we're conditioned to be like that. It's, it's so hard for us to get out of that to-do mode and into the to-be mode. And that's another reason why a husband and wife's bedroom has to be very conducive to being, not to doing. And if there's a desk and a computer and a phone and a, a, a pile of laundry and there's, you know, the freezer in the room and the list of all the things that are still in the freezer that need to be cooked before Yandif, that's not conducive to being, that's doing. 100%. And that is going to be very, very not helpful in the relationship. And that's why setting up a room, like I said, investing in sheets that you like and a nice little carpet, not clutter. Very often we think that if we're going to buy another 10 scented candles, that will solve the problem. It won't. They're just going to collect dust, you know? Correct. But getting a few things that really are meaningful to you that will really make a difference in your bedroom and really making your bedroom, your bedroom beautiful for many women, it could really, really be a real igniter. Really. It could really I, make I agree. them feel 100%. very connected to themselves. So I want to know, like, let's say I've worked on myself. I feel like I'm in a good space. I'm working hard. Things are improving, but they're just not improving enough because my husband isn't on board. My kids aren't on board. Whatever it is, specifically, mm -hmm. it's usually, I always find that it's my husband. He's just, he's not, he's not putting it, we like designated all these spaces. He's not doing what, you know, what I asked him to do. Um, mm -hmm. But even, it's also true with kids. Like what, mm -hmm. what do you feel like is something you can do to say to your husband to make him understand that it's important to you? So I think it's very different between husband and children. So we're not going to so much go to children because I yeah, think that's more like an educational question because I think the whole approach with children has to be building our sense of confidence in our uh, position as leading in the home. Okay. And that's something that we've lost in our generation. We think we always have to like apologize to our children and ask them for permission. Baloney, we don't. We're the mothers. We can make decisions. Like I just heard the other day an amazing sentence and it's like been with me for these few days. Today, as mothers, we either talk with a question mark or an exclamation mark. We should be talking more with periods. And what she explained was either it sounds like this, honey, do you want to come eat supper? That's the question mark. The exclamation mark is, we're eating supper now. Come in now, because we've already lost our patience. We right. should be talking in periods. We're eating supper now. Zahu. <laughs> Just right. like that. Yeah. So, right. you know, with kids, it's different, okay? The, the language is different, and our emotional position vis-a-vis -vis our children is very different. With so our maybe husband, that's actually the problem. Maybe we're speaking to our husbands like they're our children. Exactly, Rebecca. <laughs> exactly, bingo. And that's what I was going to say, that the secret is a woman could get her husband to do anything if she knows how to approach him from the correct emotional point of view, if she knows how to be feminine to him and womanly, and she knows the womanly art, she knows how to speak, it's called wifely, she knows how to speak the wifely language. And when a woman comes to her husband very harsh, and you know, with periods and exclamation marks, then, you know, by a, by a husband, I would say it's the opposite. We talk too much with periods and exclamation marks. We let him know that this is what we're doing. And with our husbands, if to use the phrase I heard the other day, we should be speaking more with question marks. Right. Honey, what do you think? Would this be a good idea? I think it would enhance our life greatly if, what do you think? What's your opinion? And it's amazing how when, as women, we learn how to talk correctly, then again, I cannot promise anything, but I've seen in my own life and in the lives of many, many women, that it works. And it's not a change that happens in one day. Coming to your husband once and speaking in the right tone isn't going to change years and years of built up resentment. When a woman learns to properly respect her husband and understand her correct position in relation to him, God created a man 
with a very, very big need. The need to make his wife happy, the need to influence her, the need to fulfill her, the need to make her feel like she is the world for him. But in order for him to be able to do that, he must feel respected. It's like the oxygen. So when a woman is able to respect her husband, so then he's able to in turn be very in touch with his need to make her happy, she'll be the happiest woman. So if, let's say, let's take a very, very practical example. Let's go back to the bedroom. And maybe Rebecca, you can think of an example from someone you've worked with where she's trying to make changes and he's kind of like, I mean, he's not, he's not going along with her or he's resisting it. Maybe give me like a real example and we could kind of like um, translate it into real. For the most part, the husbands that I deal with, I think they just have no idea what to do. Right. Okay. So I was going to say that very often we kind of like expect our men to know and they don't. And that's why it's very important when a woman can give very, very clear, I'm not going to say instructions. A woman should never give her husband instructions or directions, but to make a clear request, meaning not to just say like, Oh honey, can you, can you tighten up the room? Can you straighten up? His definition of straighten up might be very, very different than right. yours, but a woman might say to her husband, you know, um, my dear husband, it would make me very happy if in the morning, you would, you know, just throw the cover over the bed or whatever. If you make sure to put your dirty laundry in the hamper, which is always like a classic, you know, Shalom Bias point that for some reason it could be like a big issue in many homes. I don't know. Yeah. It's like I was using like the example, pick up the dirty socks. Yeah. Right. Um, or whatever it might be. Um, I, you know, I often find that it, that this comes up more um, like when it comes to, let's say a woman wanting to declutter and she wants to get rid of things. You tell me, Rebecca, if you come across this, and like the husband's like, why are you getting rid of that? Like maybe in 10 years, Shandel will need this dress or like, right. why are you getting rid of it? So, <laughs> that, that happens sometimes for, there are men who are definitely, um, it, it's hard for them to yeah. like, why are you getting rid of that? Pat rack. Like, why? Rat, pat pack rats <laughs> that's the word i'm looking for there are definitely right. men who are like that and they're very they're very they're thinking very rationally it could it's, right. it's still in good condition and it could be used when they and they haven't done rebecca's course and they don't know the explanation and everything behind it right. so again this is where if a woman enters um a war zone and she starts explaining to her husband why he's wrong and why she's right and why the way he sees the world is wrong and why the way she sees the world is right and forget it he's never going to be on board but if she's able to say to her husband you know you're right hundred percent, I, I see the way you're seeing it, but I just want to share with you how this clutter is making me feel. And again, it's vulnerable, Rebecca. It's vulnerability. Right. That is the secret. One of the big secrets of femininity is the ability to be vulnerable. And because back to what we said before, we're afraid to be vulnerable because we're afraid we're going to be hurt. So we toughen up and then we end up getting hurt anyway, because right. when a woman tough against her husband, he's going to hurt her. That's just the way it is. So the more we can be vulnerable and instead of arguing a worldview, sharing your pain, sharing your challenge. And then again, your husband's nature of wanting to make you happy is likely to kick in. But if you are going to undermine his opinion and undermine the way he sees things, then, oh, no, no, he's not going to be in touch with his need to make you happy. He's going to need to protect his need for oxygen because respect for a man is like oxygen. And right. he's going to argue back and it's just going to turn into a nasty fight. So the more a woman can be vulnerable and share her difficulty instead of entering battle mode, the more there's a chance that he'll be happy to make her happy. Again, not always, but very often. It's funny because you use the word respect. And I always felt like that is the true definition of love. Like when you can fully respect somebody else uh, mm -hmm. or your partner at least. And mm -hmm. for me, I feel like a lot of times in the decluttering realm, at least, um, partners can't respect that their partner 
it doesn't matter if it's the husband or the wife or whatever the situation is like they can't respect that the other one has like a need to hold on to something right or or a need to get rid of something and the mm-hmm. alternate like and i think that that is a big problem and there's this missing level of like okay i know this is an issue for you and they can mm-hmm. never come to this like middle ground yeah where it's like okay i'll hold on to that like Sometimes I have to say to some couples, like, okay, you can each pick 10 things that are not negotiable. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, right. just so we can move forward and make progress because... And that's why, Rebecca, I feel that back to what we spoke to at the very, very beginning, it's very often, it is very, very crucial to have an outsider. Right. It's true. It's sort of like the arbitrator, <laughs> just to have someone neutral. I, I have to say, like, a lot of people are like, uh, they... They're, they're like, well, Rebecca said, <laughs> and, then, and then, and then they use me as like a scapegoat and I'm, I'm okay with that. I feel totally okay with that, but it's like, Rebecca said, so then it's, yeah. you know, if she said it then, you know, and I feel like also the, the, the third person, the third party allows for both of you to like, it adds like a, a level of safety almost because it's like, maybe they'll take your side. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. So you have to be neutral when you're the third person, but like right. always the third person can help each other see the other person's point of view. Point of view, exactly. And I think that point of view is so important because we can't, you know, we don't always it's know. So what easy. It's so easy. It's to so easy to forget. Right. Yeah, unfortunately. Right. And yeah, and like you said, sometimes we have to hold on to something because it's so meaningful to us. I mean, like I'll share it. Like I have, <laughs> it's like a little embarrassing. I still have my baby blanket. And as much as I've tried over the years to declutter and like ask myself, do I really need to? I just, I just can't get rid of it. I just can't get, I've gotten rid of so much. I just, I just need that baby blanket. And maybe one day I'll be able to get rid of it. And it takes up space in my very tiny apartment, which I don't have enough room in as it is. But it's like, and, and, and I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that my children and my husband, even though they might laugh at me, <laughs> but they're able to respect that. Like I have this need to hold on to for whatever reason, my baby blanket. And they even tried to like work through it. Like, with EFT, like what meaning does it hold and what memories are tied up with it? You know, there must just be a side and, you know, a, a little part in me that still, you know, needs to hold on to that, like being cuddled and covered up with that baby blanket by my mother. It, it, it just, I'm sure it resembles something deeper. And but it's when a baby sentimental. Exactly. And when yeah. I'm able to realize and respect that about myself, Rebecca, then I feel like it could be easier for me to do that you know, for my husband and the things that he wants to save or for my children and the things that they want to save. And like you said, we have to come to some agreement, like, you know, okay, each kid has one drawer, whatever right. fits in you can keep, right? Exactly. There could be no end, but to really not to dismiss another person's feeling and not to make fun of the fact that they might attach a very deep, meaningful feeling with an item that to us may be meaningless silly, because right. it means nothing to us. So exactly. for sure. Yeah, it could get, it could get complicated when, yeah. when, when fluttering. <laughs> 100%. So, Figgy, let's talk about your course. Uh, it's called Unblock Your Way to Oneness, and you teach the Torah way to gain intimacy in your marriage. So, tell us a little bit about it. How long does it run? How does it work? Um, how much interaction do people have with you? Okay. So, I'll, I'll first begin by saying that I've noticed over the years with working with many women that 
And this is the reason I called it unblock your way to oneness, because really that's the goal. We all want to reach that oneness, that closeness. That is really the highest form of pleasure is that pleasure of wholeness, which of course is also manifested physically, but it's way, way, way beyond. And that's why in a Jewish marriage, when a couple is working on their marriage correctly, the intimacy between them and the joy between them and the happiness and even the desire for each other can grow deeper over the years and become richer and better like fine wine, which ages over the years and becomes better and better. And that's the beauty of a Jewish marriage, as opposed to a marriage that doesn't have deep, real, spiritual, godly values where the desire could could just evaporate so fast and there's nothing real to hold on and keep that love together. Because we know, we know as Jewish people that it's really about a very, very deep spiritual connection between husband and wife that in this world is manifested physically. Sure. And I noticed over the years working with many women that the troubles that often we encounter women are on three levels. It's first of all at the hashkafic level, the, the right worldview towards, sorry, the right Torah view to world, towards intimacy. Um, growing up in a world where if, if we had the, the privilege of growing up in a home that is, you know, Torah affiliated and we grew up with, you know, uh, values of, of, of Torah and, you know, mitzvot and we're God-fearing and all of that. So it's, it's what a privilege. But very often what happens in, in, in societies like that is that intimacy is rarely spoken about. And if it is spoken about, then sometimes it can be spoken about negatively, like teaching girls how to dress modestly in many circles, unfortunately. And it's hard for me to, to say this in such a public forum, but I do believe this to be the truth is unfortunately given over in a very negative way and it causes a lot of, I'm going to even use the word as harsh as trauma. And girls grow up with a very, very negative view of their body, of their feminine being, very disconnected from their bodies. And intimacy is taboo. No one talks about it. So that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, we're so exposed to the very, very physical and lowly expression of intimacy, which is such a far cry from what God, you know, from what God intended it to be. Unfortunately, what we see is the low animalistic expression of these, you know, powers that God implanted into nature. And that's not what, (laughs) that's not what we're meant to have in a Jewish home. So it could be very, very, very confusing. So on the one hand, we look at intimacy as something extremely negative. And on the other hand, it's not spoken about. So very, very often, I see this for sure with Kalas when you know I teach them before the wedding, but even when I meet women who've been married for many years, there's a very basic foundation level of understanding that's missing. They can't figure out in their head, they can't put the pieces together. How can it be that something that seems to be so physical is Kodesh, Kodeshim. How can right. that be the whole holies? Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. So I find that that's the first level of really, really, really getting that clear, but not only clear in the head, clear in our experience so that that is a woman's experience when she connects with her husband. Not that she has to kind of like give excuses and work it out in her brain as she's being intimate with her husband and say, oh no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's now married. And you know, No, to really realize that when a husband and wife are together and they're expressing their oneness for each other in a physical way, but what they are doing in those moments are becoming godlike. They're becoming one. They're becoming whole. They are reaching the highest level of potential possible. 
So that's very, very important. So that's one level that the course, um, you know, delves into very deeply, very, very beautifully. The next level that I find that women struggle with is the emotional level, the emotional blockages that get in our way to being intimate. And that's what we spoke before about vulnerability and exposure and being comfortable with ourselves, being comfortable in the skin we're in, body image, that's all emotional. And then there's, of course, technical, technical difficulties. And very often technical difficulties, ha you know, have to do with lack of technical knowledge and that's why a whole part of the course is just simply anatomy and hormones and the the, the the psychology of the sexual differences between men and women and just understanding all of that and everything is based on Torah and beautiful sources and and it's just amazing how Torah is, is, is the tree of life and all the knowledge that we need to live good and live full in this world is all in Torah and it's all there. The anatomy is there, the, the, the emotional guidance, it's all in Torah. So it's all beautifully based in, in sources from Chazal and from, from the Svarim HaKadoshim, really, really very, very beautiful. And these are all things that over the years I set out on a journey to learn because I was confused and I was struggling and I was stumbling and it's just brought so much life and light into my life and I just wanted to pass on that, that light to every Jewish woman. And that is my deepest desire that every woman should know this truth. It's like, it's, it's when you, when you learn these things, you feel like you left Mitzrayim. It's like redemption. And there's so much we don't, that, you know, that women don't know. And that's really my life goal that women should know, should know these things. So that's the course that those are the three levels that the course deals with. Who's, so the, who's the prime like candidate? Is it like a good for a Kala or you have to be married? Oh, no. For Kala, it would be too much. It would be too much information. If really any woman at any stage would benefit from it, but I find that the women who benefit from it the most are the ones that are married, you know, five, six, seven years to like 10, 15 years. But it definitely, the language that I use is definitely language that's geared more at a Torah affiliated community, just because that's where I come from and that's the language right. I speak, which is what I'm used to. Um, what else? Um, it's an 11 week course okay. and it runs, it always runs. Like a woman can join it at any point. And when a woman joins, so once a week she can listen to a class. It's available both online and it's also available by phone. That's an 11 session course. And then in addition to the 11 sessions, there are four bonus classes. Actually, one of them is about making time and space for intimacy to happen, which I'm sure Rebecca, you could have yeah. probably done a better job than me. It's just things that I've collected over the years through my own journey to organize. Oh schedule it on your calendar. We schedule everything. Right. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. A date with your husband, right? If it's not like, on your cal if it's not, I always say, if it's not on the calendar, it's not real. Um, and then another bonus is the one where I discuss how to you know, talk to your children about intimacy. And wow. in addition, there are two live Q&A sessions, which I run every few weeks. And then the women who joined in those past few weeks joined for the Q&A session. And oh, that's nice. your chance. Send, send in all your personal questions that haven't been answered during the course. And then I discuss them in the Q&A session. Obviously, everything is anonymous, no names, no nothing. Only I see the questions and I answer them. And then when your question comes up, you'll recognize it. But there are no names being called out. It's very private, very modest, very tsenua, um, obviously, because it's such a beautiful topic and we want to treat it with utmost respect. So um, right. yes, we're talking about it and we're talking about it privately as much as we can. And of course, ideally, this is a topic that should be given over from mother to daughter, from Revison to student, right? But in today's world where there's so much confusion and so much exposure, there is such a need for, for mass education. Right. And that's incredible what the internet and these phone lines have given us this ability to really reach so many people and share that light. So what's beautiful about it is that on the one hand, it sounds so public, it's going out to so many people. But on the other hand, really, it's so private because each woman listens on her own 
in her own time. No one else knows she's doing the course. And it's almost like I'm teaching her personally. And then she can send in her questions. And then the Q&A session is to answer that. So that's the basic track. And then, the, and then there's another track, which also includes a private session with me, which some women who've done that track have said that just for the private session, it was worth it. Like just the private session was life changing. Wow. Being able to personally. Yeah. So that's also that's like amazing. a real big honor for me to be able to like meet the women who actually do the course and work with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so that's, that's the course. And um, anything else you wanted to ask Rebecca? Well, I just wanted to know if you had any final tips or advice that you want to just pass on to the listeners today? So I would say, and I, you know, I say this to myself, I remind myself, we like, you know, when we hear something and we're inspired, we like to make a big change, you know, okay, that's it. I'm going to turn my bedroom into, you know, my bedroom into like a, a paradise oasis. It doesn't work like that. Start with something small. Put on a fresh set of sheets tonight. You know, just start with something little. You know, take out one item from your room that doesn't really need to be there, or maybe it doesn't have to be in your house at all, and get rid of it. Don't, don't expect that to be, Right, exactly. Don't expect to, like, turn everything over right away. Make a small change. So if, let's say, we want to work on scheduling time with our husband, so make, you know, make a commitment tonight for 10 minutes to sit on the couch and turn off your phone and talk with your husband or just sit there with him for 10 minutes. 10 minutes, that's it, right. not more than that. And in your bedroom, you want to turn your bedroom into this beautiful place to be, make one little change. Today, instead of dumping the laundry on your bed, dump it on the couch, <laughs> you know, let it be in the living room. You know, so okay. now everyone sees the living room, right? Small, small changes. And, right. you know, we often... The Yetzirah gets us, the evil inclination gets us by getting us very inspired and trying to get us to make a big change and then we do nothing and then we feel horrible about ourselves, and then we think we're such a loser, we stop trying. That is the evil inclination. And the Yetzirah Tov whispers one little change at a time. That's right. One little change at a time. Go slow, it's okay. We're always, I always say we're looking for progress, not perfection. Beautiful, I love that, I yeah. love that. That is so true. Biggie, thank you so much for joining us today. I was so glad that you're here with us today. Rebecca, um, thank you for this incredible opportunity to share and inspire and, and discuss these very, very important topics with you and with the many dear listeners out there. Thank you, Rebecca. My pleasure. If you want to join a course with Faggy, then email support at unblockyourway.co.il or you can call Ilana at 58 322-0153. Leave a message. She will definitely call you back. Faggy has generously given a special discount to the listeners of Journey to Organization for the month of May only. There are two price plans. The Platinum Plan, which is as Faggy mentioned, including a private one-on-one -on -one consultation and a lot of other bonuses, normally costs $550. For Journey to Organization listeners, it's $500. And if you want to go to the basic track, which has also offers the Q&A sessions and other bonuses, it's normally $370. But for Journey to Organization listeners, it's going to be $340. To, to register for the class, head to bit.ly forward slash JTO underscore Faggy, F-A-I-G-Y. That's bit dot ly forward slash jto underscore faggy f-a-i-g-y and i will put information on the show notes page as well just go to balaganbegone.com forward slash 101 have a great week and happy organizing 
Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.